This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of Josh's picks. Um, and he's reviewing something that uh, I was stunned to discover. I had never heard of this book. And then while I was uh, reading it this week, I discovered that it's got a TV show. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that either. Yeah. So t- tell us what you picked, and then I'll tell you about the show. <laughs> okay. So I picked the October Faction, uh, Volume 1. There's no title to the volume. Uh as far as defending the pick, it was a Daredevil pick. Uh, again, I don't think any of us were aware that this thing existed, much less that there's a TV show. So uh, really not a lot of defense to it. It looked interesting. Uh, so yeah, tell us about that TV show. Okay, I didn't watch it or anything, but uh, I think it's got two seasons on Netflix. And when you feel like if you like IMDb it, you'll see like you'll recognize some of the cast members. And so I, I don't know how this book completely got past this, let alone the TV show as well. So I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. so there, there will be people like this. This was completely not a Daredevil pick. <laughs> There's just none of them <laughs> on the show. Right now. <laughs> just this show. <laughs> huh. Yeah. All right. Anyway. We're doing a tie-in by accident. Yeah. I was kind of baffled. I got, There's a the whole thing? Like, <laughs> I, I thought I knew a lot of it. Anyway. Uh, so the next part of the show is the live-action Batman grades. And this is the part of the show where we give our eccentric grades with our eccentric grading scale. I didn't cut and paste that segue this week either. I did the rest of them, though. And that scale is from best to worst, Bell, Affleck, Keaton West, Kilmer, and Clooney. Um, and I have become way too dependent on my segues. Um, I'm first out of the gate on this one, and I had some pretty low expectations on this. Um, just glancing through like the first couple pages of art, um, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy this and I'm not, you know, the Halloweeny, you know, uh, Tim Burton kind of guy, like, you know, that, that brand of humor, that brand of horror is not my jam, but I ended up weirdly being charmed by this story and I'm going, I'm going Affleck. I had a really good time and I, and I warmed up to the art. I mean, by the end of it, I was kind of digging it. Wow. All right, that's surprise. <laughs> surprise number one. I don't know that I'm going to be surprised by Sam's answer here. All right, so, yeah, I mean, definitely right up my alley. I love this type of genre. Uh, there were some things at first that really was taken back by. We'll, we'll get into it. I'm sure everybody knows by now, me. But uh, on the first read-through, I was like, I was, I was going to give it a Keaton. And then I reread read it two or three times, and I, I'm, I missed stuff because I read it so fast the first time because I was just, I was hooked. So I'm gonna give it an F like for sure. I almost gave it a bail, but we'll get into reasons why I didn't give it a bail. All right. Well, that's happy surprise for me because I was waffling with a Keaton plus or an Affleck uh, minus. So I'm just gonna roll with Affleck so we can all uh, <laughs> all be on the same page here. Uh, I thought maybe I was giving it a little bit of inflation because it was my pick and I didn't uh, <laughs> want to have picked something that terrible, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, I thought the story took a little bit to get going. This, the first couple issues kind of threw me off a little, but I got into it like you guys, but the more I read, the more I liked it. And uh, I think this is one that uh, the more you read it, the, the more you pick up on stuff. It's the subtle things that I missed the first time reading through. So it was like second, third time reading through, you pick up on a lot of stuff you miss, and that's what really brought my grade up. Uh, the thing I was, the two things I was most nervous about were like, you know, the 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 genre, right? I mean, this this kind of like super quirky, you know, we're gonna serious up the monsters or something. Like, I I'm not always, you know, down for that. And the art style, it took some getting used to. Like, it's a very, it's I, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's bad or anything like that. It was just it's very unique and it's very atypical. Uh, especially stuff that comes up that we read a lot of. And so, but I'd say before the first issue was over, like I'd completely adjusted and I was digging it. Like I was enjoying the character designs. I was enjoying um, the way he drew faces. And so it just, it just took a second to get used to it. And then it's like, Oh, this, this, I see what he's doing. And it works. It works really well. Yeah. Yep. We'll cover it all. I've yeah. got lots of notes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But, I'm like, that, that, but that's, that's, I mean, if, 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 if somebody's just picking this up, like off, off our recommendation, like that could be off-putting because this is not oh. what. It, yeah, it, I mean, 
if you're just, if you're like not super into indie comics or whatever, and you just grab this, like you, you might be put off by it. I'm telling you, you just g- give it a couple of pages. You'll yeah. If you if you heard uh, my botched uh, presentation at the end of last show. <laughs> And opened this up and flipped through it and thought, uh, maybe not for me, and then didn't read it. I would I would go ahead and stop and, and read it before you finish the show out because it, it is worth a read. Yeah, and, and what what he's doing is, I mean, we'll get into it. I, I'm trying to like, you know, pitch the listeners to actually read the thing um, before we get to the spoiler section. I mean, it, it is different. It's different than what we get in a lot of you know mainstream comics. But the, what the guy's doing works. By you get into it, like he's so he sets the tone for like this weird world. Like the art, it's hand in glove with the story, and so it very effective. Anyway, the creator credits. Um, it's created by Steve Niles and Damian Worm. It's written by Steve Niles and it's illustrated by Damian Worm. With a name like Damian Worm, what else is he going to draw but stories like this? <laughs> uh, the colors assistant issue six was by Alizia Zerno. I think. Uh, I'm sorry, Elysia. Uh, letters by Robbie Robbins and Sean Lee, and it's published by IDW. And this ends the part of the show that is safe from all that spoiler radiation. If you hear the spoiler klaxon, it is full spoilers ahead. Venture on at your own risk. Time for the bite size breakdown. Okay, I've got issue one. Uh, bear with me. Uh, we open on Jeff getting harassed by a former high school bully. During this interaction, Jeff sees his mom getting in a car with a fellow that is not his dad. Then Jeff tortures the bully by telling him that he is being haunted by the friends he killed while drunk driving the prior year. Then we move to the dad, Frederick, teaching a college class and then running into, an, running into his old monster hunting partner, Lucas. They reminisce until Lucas tells him some bad news about his wife, Dolores. Then we meet Vivian, who is enduring some harassment of her own. Then she finds out that Jeff has trapped a ghost slash demon harpy thing, and she's real happy with the situation. The issue closes with Dolores waking up a dude who kind of looks like Trap Jaw from He Man. <laughs> totally does. I love it. <laughs> All right, so issue two it begins with a flashback of Fred and Lucas. They are attacked by a woman, and Lucas knocks her head off with a punch. When uh, they realize he is, that, that's when they realize he's a werewolf. Then, then Lucas jumps out a window. Fred finds uh, two young children in the uh, in the room. Then it jumps to the present, and fr- uh, Fred arrives home to find his kids. His kids are in Jeff's bedroom when he's attacked by a ghost. Viv drives the ghost away with a mirror. Then they go have dinner, and Jeff tries to talk his dad and let him join the family business of monster hunting. Fred tells him he can't when they get a call from the police. Then they rush to the hospital to find Dolores in a room unconscious. All right. And issue three picks up at the hospital. Jeff has coffee with Phil, the bully from issue one, while at the hospital. Dolores reveals that she set Dante loose, or robot face, to get Fred's attention because they were growing apart. Viv heads home from the hospital and is followed by Dante. Lucas, also keeping watch, uh, of uh, Viv fights Dante. Viv runs away, and then Dante explains to Lucas that he didn't attack Dolores or put her in the hospital. Fred and Jeff head home, where they're confronted by Merle Cope, who takes credit for beating Dolores nearly to death and reveals his plan to ruin Fred's life. Fred believes Cope and proceeds to shoot him repeatedly in the chest, killing him. All right, issue four. Frederick makes sure Cope is good and dead. Then Lucas talks with Robot Face. We learn his backstory, and Lucas remembers that remembers that case and tells Robot Face that his dad was a really bad dude. He doesn't take it well and takes off with Lucas's car door. The family buries Cope and bonds over their plans to begin hunting together. The issue closes with Cope's sister coming for him, and he gets out of his freshly dug grave and walks home. <laughs> All right, so issue five. Fred checks on Viv to see how she is doing after they buried Cope. Fred leaves to pick up Dolores from the hospital, but his car won't start. Luke, Lucas just happens to drive up and gives him a ride. On the ride, Lucas wants to confess he helped Cope, but Fred says he already knows, and it's okay because Lucas was blackmailed. Then Lucas tells Fred he has cancer, but he doesn't hurt when he's transformed into a werewolf. He wants to know if Fred will 
test to see if the cancer is gone when he's a werewolf. And if it is, he'll stay transformed. While Fred and Lucas are uh, gone, Robot Face shows up to the house. Jeff confronts him, and they have a big fight. And Jeff is doing okay. And then it says elsewhere, Cape is being nursed back to health after being dead. Then Fred and Dolores arrive back home to find Robot Face has Jeff tied to a chair. All right, and issue six, wrapping it all up. Dolores gets tired of trying to talk Dante down and attacks and seduce him. They tie Dante up and include him in the family dinner. Fred reveals that Jeff and Viv are adopted, but they had already figured that out. They offer Dante to join their family since they're all outcasts and misfits. Dante agrees, and then they stand on the dinner table and toast. The issue ends with the sheriff finding Cope's empty grave. Don't you do toast on top of your table? I always get on the table when I toast. Especially with the, the crazy person. <laughs> with robot face, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they just adopted, apparently. I'm not sure that's legal. Anyway, um, now it's time for the graphically novel pyramid. The part of the show where we evaluate the book of the week based on the three elements we believe a good book has to nail to be a good book. The first of these is story. And I get to go first. Um, okay, let me say the negative bit first. Um, it's a little thin and a little confusing. Um, things ju- jump around a lot. Those little plot threads that start don't go anywhere. I'm sure there's a long game going on. They'll come back later. Like, like Lucas's cancer. I'm sure that I'm sure that'll show up later on in the series. Um, like the stuff with the Cope family. I'm sure that's gonna there's gonna be, be more important later on. It's just kind of weirdly inserted here and there. Um, so there's, it's it's kind of thin, it's a little confusing. Um, but the star of the story section for me is is the whole robot face storyline. Um, or Dante. Josh prefers his... I mean, robot face is a cool name, though. Anyway. Yeah, we can go with robot face. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a grim story. I mean, to find out that his dad, who he knew was a weirdo, was working with the guy who abducted him and did horrible things to him. Like, you know, that's, that's not a fun story. But it was very well done, and it made you really feel for him. Um, and, and and even though it's strange they adopted him so fast and did the whole table toast thing, um, you, you're still happy for him. Like something good is happening for this poor kid. Um, but there is just a lot of setup here and not a lot of payoff, and so it kind of leaves it feeling thin and confused. Well, you know, I agree with that, and that, that's like so. When I read it the by the third time. I'd missed so much stuff, like like in some of the flashbacks, the the lady's head that Lucas knocked off, that was their the kid's parents, that you know the the two little kids he found in that house in the flashback. That's the kids yeah. that he has now, Jeff and Viv. I didn't realize that the first time I read it. Is isn't that the ghost in their closet too? Yeah, that's their ghost in the closet. The woman. Yeah. That's how, that's how the ghost knows her. I say that's the little things that I, I didn't pick up on the first read through, and then like it's actually got a. I think it's got a pretty good story that. You either have to slow down and read it or read it a couple times to pick up on all the stuff because it's like it's so subtle and it just goes by so fast. They really don't like they don't hang on to those details. And I, I think that if they brought more light to it, it, it would help some. But but Dante really was the I think not the main driving force of the story, but they definitely uh, revolved around him and what was happening and how he got brought into the family. He stole every page he was on. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, yeah I. I what you said, Jamie, kind of was was my main takeaway is that it's a lot of setup. I feel like this is not like we're not reading a, a 15 or 20 issue run like this is going to be designed to be a long running series. I feel like they're getting a lot of stuff set up. Uh, and, and it took me a second to kind of really get into it. You know, it was probably issue three before I really started jiving with the story and, and really got pulled into it. Uh but I, I, by the end, I liked it. I like this world they've created. I like the family. I like the initial setup. Like, I can see some of the places they're going to take the story with Cope. There's going to be a lot of stuff with that, like you said, with Lucas and his cancer. Like, they're setting up to have a lot of stuff in uh, future issues. So I liked it. Uh, and uh, it, it almost had a, a familiar setup where there's parents who are superheroes or they're into something really cool, but they don't want the kids involved in the family business. But then the kids end up getting into the business anyways. It's kind of got that, you know, young adventure style set up to it. Uh, so that that was kind of familiar, but yeah, with Dante and it's just, it's a weirdly unique world that by the time I was done reading it, I was in on the world. I'm like, this is cool. I want to read some more. I've already got volume two borrowed. 
uh, but I didn't read it yet because I was waiting to uh, do this review. Well, I'll let you know I already read Volume 2, and I made stuff. Because <laughs> when I was doing my notes today, I was picking stuff out Volume 2 instead of Volume 1. That's why you always wait till yeah. after the show, guy. Um, maybe my, my last complaint of the whole uh, thing is gonna I'm going to say right now. Um, things happen way too fast. I mean, mm. any, anything that's not just set up is just happening too fast. Like, um, you think about early on, like when Frederick finds out, like when Lucas gives him the bad news, and he's like, oh no, she's having another one of her affairs. And then like, well, like it feels like 30 minutes later, they're passionately, madly in love again. And all that's forgotten. And like, it never happened. And like, they went from having a dissolving marriage to like, you know, the heights of romance, you know, it's like, yeah. That, no, that's not how that works. Yeah, I had that in my like, character's notes, yeah. Yeah, and like Robot Face getting adopted into the family. Like, okay, like, literally like 15 minutes ago, he was trying to murder your kids. Or like threatening to. Now you're adopting into the family? I'm like, uh, I know you're a weird set of parents, but I think you're better parents than that. I mean, I, would hope. I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot of things just happen really fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I, I think they didn't give us enough about why Cope is trying to ruin Frederick's life and wants to watch him die. Like we, we have no idea why Cope yeah. is the villain. Like he's obviously the bad guy in this, but we don't know why we don't know any of their history. Were they old partners? Like I don't have any of that set up. And for Fred to just shoot him in the chest repeatedly, like there's some history there. We should have got a little bit of that. And how, how did Cope even know? about his storage unit where he had robot face stored what's so, cope's connection but, to robot face i mean yeah that's there, there's a lot of history there we should have got a little bit uh, yeah and i think that's they done a lot of setup for a lot of other stuff but they didn't give us any setup on that and i feel like maybe they're going to save that for a whole separate storyline or that's going to be all of volume two or something but they, they should have gave us a taste of that to, to help yeah. us understand why cope yeah. is the bad guy yeah i mean it, cope's also got some kind of dirt on lucas for him to blackmail Lucas to help him find a storage unit. I mean, there's stuff that was left out for sure, but still, overall, I thought it was really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. The 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 tone and the dialogue and the world building were all so fun that like a lot of this stuff didn't really even occur to me until I started until I finished the book and started really thinking. About it. I'm like, no, hold on, <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it's a fun story and it's so fun that you'll you'll kind of like. Yeah, just skip over some of the, the flaws that we're digging out because we're reviewing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, overall, I'd say it's a good introduction to the world. It's yeah. not like a fully fleshed story, but to get you into the October Faction universe and kind of see how stuff works there, it does really good at that. But as far as like being a developed, really good story, it maybe missed that just a little bit. But I, I could see how this would like whoever produced it for Netflix was like, you know, I, I, this will make a good TV show. I, I could, I could see how somebody would read this and go like, you know what? We need to do this. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many storyline potentials, um, interesting character stuff going on, an interesting world. I could see how that, like, yeah, we should make this into a show. I, I completely get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so we move on to art. Yeah. That's all I got on story. All right, yep. Sam, go. All right. So, of the one of the few times I got to go first on art, we have to go on this one. And it was quirky, it was wonky, but after reading it the second time, I actually found myself enjoying the art. Like I was su- surprised by like the monster designs, the ghosts, the creepy stuff, like just like like all the <laughs> all the. All the dreary stuff, they, they killed it. Like like when the, the, the boy's looking and he sees the ghost that nobody else can see. Like That design was phenomenal. The color is, is hammered in there. The color looks good. I mean, I know they can't see your background, but your background, just look at that, how amazing that the candles, the, the, the skulls, all that stuff they done, I think they killed it. But what, what I had a hard time with was their faces. I, just, I had a hard time with because they're a little wonky, but it still worked. Uh, and it was done on purpose. I mean, like, I mean, it's not because it's bad art. That was their design. They chose to do it that way. And I think, I know we mentioned it in the story, that the art helps build this world. This, Like you said, is, it's dreary. It's it's creepy. It's it's a different type of world. And the art helps build that. And I, I, just, I just really found myself surprised how much I actually liked this art. Yeah, you... You do have to get used to it. There is a, yeah. <laughs> a, a it's filling it out first. period where you yeah. kind of have to 
okay, let's give it a chance and not be negative about it. And then, like you said, uh, you really, it fits the story. And, uh, man, my, my main note on it is it's, it's very moody. It just sets the mood. It, it really builds the world. Uh, and I think this style can lend itself to really helping with story points because you have some panels that are pretty, I don't want to say bland, but they're just kind of mellowed out and uh, not quite monochromatic. But then you can add that one pop of color or that hyper focus on one thing and it really draws your attention. So when that's done well, and I think it was in these issues, it really helps this art style stand out. Uh, and for example, I don't I didn't write a page number down, but when a robot face and uh, I think Lucas were talking and they're standing outside and it starts raining. There's like super crisp detail on like the raindrops in Robot Face's face, uh, which was kind of a contrast to the rest of the panels around it. So it just really, really brought your focus in and really added emphasis to that. So I think this style is good for that. But yeah, it's 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 super moody, man. You feel like you're you're right in the world. I dig um, it though. Yeah, one of the things I really liked. Um, we don't always call this out because most people don't get this creative with it, but like. Even the, the page layouts were all really creative. I mean, there's like one page where like the, the panels are kind of off kilter, and there's like uh, uh, individual like I think that's like five eyes as Lucas is transforming into a werewolf. He's like different, like and just like oh, just over the top of like the lower half of the page, you can see the eyes as Lucas is changing. And it's just five eyes all across the page. It was just really like a lot of the page layouts are really creative, but even the framing of the pages and the panels sometimes. It's not just like a perfect rectangle. It's not just the normal like line. Like it's it'll it's scratchy and it's splotchy and and they're off, off kilter, kilter. Yep. yeah sometimes it's sometimes just the, like one panel or maybe it's all the panels maybe it's the whole page it's just really it's a lot of creativity here and it makes the pages like really interesting to look at um the only even like mild complaint art wise is that the action wasn't very exciting but it's not that kind of book and so definitely, yeah yeah, yeah i'm that like was... mad about it that was really my one negative is that the action just, it doesn't flow well. The the shapes look weird. These body types aren't, they don't look normal when they're like doing flying jump kicks and stuff. It just, it, it, yeah. it doesn't really work for the action. Yeah. But like you said, that's not the point of it. So I gave it a pass. Yeah. And then and one other thing I had too was I didn't realize that they had the different people doing the last issue, but you can tell if you go back and look at it, the first five issues kind of got sharp edges and all this other stuff. And then the last one, you can tell it's kind of rounded, different color palette and all that stuff. It's not bad, but you can tell it's a little bit different than the other issues. Was that on issue one, you said? Issue six is different. Oh, yeah. That's the one he had to get. A, a, that's the remember the, the, the one credit. Like yes. He had assists on issue six. Yeah, yeah this assist. That's when that exact, I, I didn't realize that when I looked at it. But you can now that you said it. And I got to think about it, like, yeah, you can tell six was different than the other ones. It's it's still really close, but you can tell like some some of the stuff's a little bit different. Their their faces are a little more rounded, not as edgy and all that stuff. And there's a couple of pages where you could tell he didn't do the color. Yep. He, he didn't do the color. Still good though. It's just different. Now, uh, uh, anything else on art? All right, nope. Josh, characters. What you got? All right. Uh I thought the characters were interesting. Uh, I liked Frederick, who I think is going to be the main character. And uh, I liked his interactions with Lucas. You kind of see how their friendship is, and you get a feel for how Frederick, uh, his loyalty to his friend, because his friend's like, oh, I, I told Cope, you know, this info or whatever. And he's like, I understand, but he's like, Mel, you, it's okay. So you see that he's like a loyal friend and stuff. So they give you some ideas on, on who the people are. But I think some of the characters weren't developed very well. Like Jeff and Viv, I don't really know a whole lot about them. Uh, you know, we, we get some characterizations, but we don't really get deep into who, why they are the way they are so much. Don't worry about it. It's Smart Pugsley and Blonde Wednesday. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much. But uh, yeah, I, I just think the characters weren't fleshed out very much in this first volume i think we were really doing a lot more world building and kind of setting you up for what you're getting into more than than a lot of character development uh they, they had a good storyline with dante or robot face i enjoyed that and uh watching that watching him grow through there but really i think it was just introducing us to this eclectic family and they're just these random people and, and they're monster hunters or retired monster hunters and 
you know, get ready for wild rides in volumes two, three, and four. Like, I think it was more of a setup issue or a setup. Yeah, I, I would have liked a little more detail, some background. Uh, and I was wrong. It's the mom that has blonde hair, not pseudo Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, but there just, there was enough characterization, though, that you can't kind of got a feel for, you know, how Jeff is different, you know, from his sister or not that kind of jazz. Um, and there's some beginnings of character detail. But even some of that's a little bit jumbled. Like, you know, like the the, the marriage relationship between uh, Frederick and Dolores is interesting, but it's also like a little all over the place. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. I've got yeah. notes on that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but they're interesting enough that you kind of want to But I, it's the tone of the whole book and it's the the world building, really, that got me. They, they, they made these characters interesting. Like how, how they fit into this story in this world. Um, but I I mean, I would look forward to to that getting fleshed out a lot more, like who they are, what they're about, all that kind of jazz. Because it's it's uh, it's pretty sparse here. I think there's a lot of potential. Like I think yeah. these are they they've got the potential to be really interesting characters, really motivating characters. Like they, I can see them taking a lot of different routes with this. Uh, but yeah, as far as volume one, then they're they're not not yet. They're not there yet. I, I okay, I'll jump in here real quick. What I think is Frederick. Jeff and Viv were characters that were developed to interact with each other, have their own little storyline, and Dolores' character was developed to have the story evolve. Because the only, the only thing her character actually done was turn loose a trap jaw, lock jaw, robot face, whatever you want to call him, Dante. So her thing was sneaking around. Her relationship with her husband was unbelievable. They've been living in separate rooms not talking to each other. And like you said, the next thing you know, after he finds her in the hospital, they're back at the height of the romance again, just that quick. It's, it's unbelievable from the, be that dysfunctional to jump right back together. And I said, I, I think they used her character just to have story points formed to, to, to develop the story. So she didn't, I don't think she felt like she was like a real character yet, her motivations and stuff, but everybody else, I feel like they was genuine. Like, like Jeff wanting to be in the family business, wanting to do that. And, and Viv's just, so over high school, she wants to be out like a typical teenage girl. And then Lucas and uh, Fredrick's relationship, how they was old partners. I, I enjoyed that, seeing their flashbacks and stuff. So I, I can see that. And Cope, like, we don't know what he's about yet, but he has motivations to get revenge. As I, I enjoyed the characters all but Dolores. And I think she's got potential to be a good character. I, I think they went about developing her relationship with Frederick wrong. I think they should have done it a little differently. Did you do you think maybe there's a chance like after issue two they change their mind I, it's on the, the storyline? Yeah, because yeah, because it, it's a dramatic left turn. It's a yeah. a crazy left turn and, and it's a U turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's what I was picking up on because like I said, it took me to issue two or three to really get into the story. It felt like it was a little wishy washy at first, like they hadn't fully fleshed out where they were going or, or what it was going to be a hundred percent, and they still had some decisions to make, but they'd already started writing it. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 it, it took a second to get going. That's all. Yeah. I think they already had the idea what they was going to do with the uh, Frederick and the kids. You know, I think they already had that good plan for them. I, I think they really didn't unsure, unsure how they are going to do Dolores. If she was going to be the one run away from her family, or they're going to try to bring her back to the family or whatever. And like I said, I, I think they just used her character to get uh, Dante in basically set that up. You want to give us more words? Yep. Let's do it. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And these are the things we dig most in the October Faction Volume 1. All right. Uh, best cover is me and uh, it's, it's cover three on page 49. That's the only answer. And it is Robot Face in a <laughs> wingback chair, a super golf uh, uh, wingback chair. It's got horns. It's got bat wings. It's got a skull on the bottom, and he's dripping blood from his feet. And he's he's robot facing. He looks awesome. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's cut X's into the portrait. And the walls the are bloody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anybody anything nope. else? Nope. Nope. Okay, uh, so the variant covers are only a handful, but I went with um, the one on page 137. And it's the, the creepy one with the tree. 
It's it's yeah. all black and white, and it's the it's just it's interesting looking. It's got the the skull though on the on the tree. Yeah, that's funny. Cause I I picked the same one. I don't think nobody else would pick that one. I was like, man, that's so cool. Because I think the tree's actually the the negative because it's all black around. It's actually just a white tree. Hmm. What it looks like to me. Right, John, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that was it. <laughs> we all picked the same thing. All right, uh, Sam. Who is your best character? I, I really, I mean, Frederick, I think he was my favorite character. And then I also had Lucas. I couldn't really decide. So, because I like the way they work together so well. But Frederick, right. I had nailed it down. Josh? Yeah, I, I, I went with Lucas. I, I thought we, I thought somebody else was going to pick Fred. So I went with Lucas. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to have a really good storyline. You know, he's didn't seem to be pumped to be a werewolf and now he may have to stay in his wolf form because he's got cancer and he doesn't seem to have like that's a really intriguing setup that i don't think i've saw played out before like that so i'm I'm curious to see where it goes i'm intrigued to buy groceries in your werewolf form i mean it makes a lot of things difficult yeah yeah i mean think about the money i spent on hair care products (laughs) (laughs) anyway my best character was robot face I forget to use my pick, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I felt for that kid, man. And it's such a great look. <laughs> and uh, and all the things he's doing, even when he, he's clearly making mistakes, because he doesn't have all, all the information, completely understand why he's doing the things he's doing. Mm. Yeah, they had him locked in a box for who knows how many years. Yeah, and his dad <laughs> deceived him. I mean, yeah. experimented on him, yeah. Uh, all right, anyway. Uh, Josh, what's your best panel? Uh... I kind of struggle with this one a little bit. Uh, so I settled on page 65, panel four. It's when you see Phil, the bully, with the uh, ghosts that are haunting him. Because uh, it's really one of the few times you get to see that, that you know, Jeff and Viv and Fred, that they're seeing stuff that everybody else is not seeing. It kind of was reminded me of Doctor Strange and Way of the Weird, where he's just walking around, he sees all these magical creatures. Like, I wonder what else are they actually seeing? Because we don't, they don't give us any other panels of that. I don't think of the supernatural that they see day in and day out. So I just thought that was really cool. They could all see the the three other high school kids haunting them, haunting uh, Phil. Yeah, I hope they go back to more of that. As the yeah, series yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, so my best panel was on page eighty one, and it's panel four, and it's the uh, the robot face family out uh, family portrait there. There's a lot of weird looking things there that they're dad and i'm totally doing you know scare quotes Articles. there um <laughs> yeah he did a lot of things to those kids um, yeah yeah i briefly considered that one that one's and boy that's got a tim burton feel if the if there was any <laughs> that's not Christmas, if there ever was yeah yeah it was it was cool all right same i i had same one josh had oh okay 65 panel four i mean that was really good it was. I hate to give him credit, but it was. Um, <laughs> uh, so my best dialogue is on pages uh, ten through eleven, and it's uh, it does it's it's just full on exposition, but it's uh, it does a lot of the heavy lifting of kind of explaining um, what we're about to get into, like what what kind of world we're dealing with. So I'll, I'll just read a couple of the word balloons. And this is this is uh, Frederick teaching his college class. He says, they are a part of modern life as much as ancient. Today, our monsters take different forms, but they come from the same place, inside of us. Monster comes from the Latin monstrum, which means unnatural event or contrary to nature. The world is almost always associated with evil, but not always. And it just keeps going on. But it, it's sitting at the idea like the, the, um, the monsters aren't always the monstrous things. And that sometimes it's us, that we're the monsters. And, and it's just, you know, it's interesting. But also, like, hey, all that, all that stuff, it's also real. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the real monsters but the, the real monsters are real monsters too yeah, yeah. Just, it was really good uh, I, I got a vibe uh that we're never going to see him in a college classroom teaching again i feel nope. like that was a one-time thing like yep. He, yep. It, there's never going to be another reference to him being a professor yeah that, it wasn't it wasn't like super catchy i just i felt like it was really important like that 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 for me really helped me get into the story sam what was yep. your best dialogue Right, so we've already talked about it once. It's when Coke shows up to the house and threatens him to, is he going to ruin him, going to ruin his life? Whatever it says. 
So, so that, that's the thing. I, I came here to reassure you that I do intend to destroy you. I gave you, I gave your wife the key, and she freed Robot Face or Dante, whatever you call that little monster. And he says, anything else before I call the police? And he keeps mono, monotone or whatever. And at the very end, it goes, I believe you. And then he kills him. I just like that part. Like, I believe you. I believe everything you're saying. I just like that whole little conversation. Yeah, it was it was really good. Yeah. I almost picked that one, but I decided to put it in my breakdown. So I didn't pick it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but my, mine happened right after that. Uh, I just, I, I got to feel it was just done really dryly in my head. Like it was just super monotone. But it's uh, Saunders, page 73 and 74. After he shoots Cope, he tells Saunders, Saunders, get me a shovel. She just comes back, shovel, sir. He's like, thank you, Saunders. <laughs> and the kids are like, Saunders, you're not even going to say anything. We just killed something. And she says, it's not the first time there's been a dead body in this house. Just super mm. unaffected, just super monotone, just real dry delivery is what I what I was reading into that. And I got a yeah. kick out of it. Yeah, Saunders is basically golf Alfred. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Shovel, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought, that, I thought that was really fun. Yeah. Uh, Sam, tell me that you picked the right one for best full page spread. I hope so. It's the creepy house on page 19. Bingo. Mm. I think you just got outvoted, guy. I got, that's I mean, the same one I've got. Yeah. No, it's I mean, really look, good. That was, that was my backup. If you zoom in, look at some of the peaks on these roofs, man. Like the the stuff, they got details that's hard to see unless you zoom in. Like, man. I even like how it's got kind of cracks in the sky where it looks like this is a painting yeah, and it's starting yeah. to crack like a mosaic or something. Like it's got a lot of texture to it. This is one you definitely zoom in and look at, both windows and stuff. The roof. Man, it's got such what's, good detail. What's written on the left side there? Crow, it's backwards. Crows something or other. I hadn't noticed that until just now, that there's writing. Let's see. I see it. Yeah, I don't know. I can't read it. Huh, interesting. Anyway, it's still the wrong answer. The right answer is on page 47. And it is Robot, robot Face. face. Yeah, looking, kind of looking in, or le- just looking away from having spied on the whole family, and I mean, you got the, I mean, super detailed rain. Um, his face never has more detail on it than it does in that in that that page, and it just looks cool. The coloring's completely like the glowing eyes, the the purple tone. I mean, it just it's great. Yeah. So that, that's I'm what awesome. I was saying earlier when I was talking about the art, how that style lends itself to bring in like hyper focus to one thing because everything else can be kind of not as detailed. Mm-hmm. All right. Last award, uh, the episode specific award, best dark humor. Josh. I got a chuckle out of page 84 and 85. It's when Fred's trying to make, the family business looked difficult and he's like, let's throw Cope's corpse in the back of the car and they count and they just chuck it and it just bounces off the car. You know, let's try it long ways. Uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I laughed at that, but I mean, they're throwing a dead body into the back of their hearse and it's probably shouldn't be funny, but I, I, I chuckled. So yeah, that was definitely. Um, I thought it was kind of, I mean, I'm, I was really leaning into the dark humor thing. The fact that, uh, Lucas only has cancer when he's human and he doesn't have cancer when he's a werewolf. I'm like, that is some dark humor. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a good I one. mean, that's a bleak chuckle right there. Yeah. Okay. Sam? So, another one I, I got a chuckle from. It's a little different one y'all guys had. It's when uh, Dolores is in the hospital and he's talking talking about how the first time they met and he's telling about the story like, hey, he comes in, he's shooting all the zombies, the the clown zombies, and he's killing all of them. And she's like, that's how you remember it? And then she tells her side of the story, and it's the other way around. She's, like, shooting all of them, trying to and like help protecting him. So I, I thought it was funny that uh, even though they're, they're the odd couple, they still have, like, regular people disagreements about how they met and stuff. Odd couple's a good word for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are. There were a lot of good options for most of those awards. Uh, I, I hate to give you credit, Josh. This was a good yeah. pick. Yeah. yeah. Reluctantly giving <laughs> me kudos. I'll take I them, co- though. I get them I, so rarely. I don't even care that you're doing it begrudgingly. Just. I could have been mean and made a, made a blind squirrel or a broken clock joke. I didn't do that. So. <laughs> I, appreciate you got I appreciate it. But you still got both in. <laughs> yeah, you still done it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I said, uh, anyway, let, let's let's cast this thing. Y'all ready? Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm first on Frederick, and I'm going to go with James Marsters. He played Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think, I think he oh, was Spike. Oh, yeah. And he was Dr. Stein on The Runaways. That's pretty good, actually. I know. Dang. <laughs> Alright, so I'll give you the first wrong answer because I, I do like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to say mine now. <laughs> Alright, so well, I, I went I wanted to cast him something. We don't normally cast this guy unless he's been a jerk face. And I think I should tell y'all who I got. It's Josh Lucas. I gotta see him saying delivering some of these lines and then killing that guy and then asking for a shovel and stuff. I just and while he's talking to his kids and stuff, I I can see Josh Lucas saying some of those lines. He's a he's good a, actor. He just he's a good actor. The, there's nobody better at him though than than jerk than smug I jerk. I mean, he's next level. I mean, I know I, I agree 100 with you. And that's just, I, I wanted to give him a chance at a, a different yeah. type of role on our show. He could do it. Yeah, he, he'd be good yeah. at this. He's not. I think Archer's good. good at it. But. I, I, that's what I was saying that you said. <laughs> I, mean, I thought I was winning this one. <laughs> All right, Josh, who do you have? Uh, yeah. It, I think it's an actor we all like and we all like to see him get work, but I don't know if he's right for this, but I went with Sam Rockwell. He does quirky, you know, he can kind of do the dark humor, I think. Uh, you know, I he, right he, he is, we do like him though. Yeah, I, I think he might, it might be too comical. I think he would lose some of the darkness with Sam Rockwell. But he's a good actor. I mean, he could probably yeah, yeah. Uh, do it. Yeah. So. I, he wouldn't be like top of my list to cast for this, but also he's such a good actor, I wouldn't be stunned if he pulled it off. Right. Hmm. All right. Uh, Sam, who's your Dolores? All right. So I, I picked her off of Josh Lucas because I want Josh Lucas to be my Frederick. So for Dolores to play against Josh Lucas, I picked Kate Blanchett. I think they'd be a good dynamic together. I could see that. As the odd couple, you know, I, I think she'd be, I think she'd be really good into the world. All right. Josh? Yeah. Uh, this I thought was one of my better picks, and we'll see if I was right. Uh, I've got Famka Jansen, or Famka Jansen. She played the original Jean Grey from the X-Men movies. Oh, yeah. That's not bad, either. Not not, not terrible. Okay. Here's the right answer. Or at least the best answer so far. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, um, the others. She could, yeah, yeah. She, well, she could totally do the, you know, a- angry you know, having an affair, you know, doing the nefarious stuff, but also like being the, the super passionate, you know, reunion type thing. And the, I mean, I could just completely see her doing all of the things that Dolores, they have her do here. She could totally pull them off. Yeah. I think Kate Blanchett could too. I'm still defending her. No, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. All pretty good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take third on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a comfortable spot for you. So, I mean, he's <laughs> like shut up yeah. moving on I already, I already got his back groove in that recliner <laughs> yep <laughs> alright Josh who's your Jew well I'll probably end up keeping my third place here uh, I don't know if they're the right pick again but I'm going Joe Keery I thought about him. That's not He's bad. young. I mean, he, he does the kind of out of his depth a little bit and thinks he's going to be a monster hunter, but then when he actually catches a ghost, it gets out of hand. Like, I think he could get into that world. I buy him more as King Steve the Prep than, than a golf, you know, version yeah. of Steve. Me too, yeah. He's yeah. pretty good and stuff, so I don't know. He might. Is, yeah. I'd like to see him stretch his legs and try it at least. No, I, I thought about it. That's, that's not a terrible answer. I actually thought about using him. Uh, I didn't because I've got the right answer here. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. You do have the right answer because that's the same one I have. Yep. Going to be Paul Atreides in Dune. Yeah, he would be perfect for it. He was the king in uh, Netflix show, The King. Yeah. He was King Henry. Uh, yeah, he's good. That, that's the right answer. Boom. <laughs> got the groove in that chair. Now he's warming it up. Here we go. <laughs> he got second in that one because we had the same answer. We'll let him second this time. Still yeah, I'll take second on that one. I see your math. I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> All right. So next up is Viv, and we're gonna. I'm gonna head back to the cast of Stranger Things with Josh. I'm gonna get Millie Bobby Brown to be my Viv. 
there's also the same answer I have. So Josh, you got to second a second again. <laughs> got a chance. I could pull out a win on this one. I don't think so. You already outvoted for you. You tried. I've got uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, the New Mutants good. and Split. Yeah, yeah. She's probably too old now, but if we're, if we're time machining it. Yeah, well, Joe Carey's like in his mid-20s now, and I'm casting him as like 18, 19, 20, just right out of high school. And I think Viv's supposed to be older, so I figured No, they... Viv's actually younger. No, I thought she was she older. Did, she was just graduating high school. No, yeah, that he's, was Jeff. He's, he's a year older. He was out of high school for a year. Oh, and she was I read, just that, I read that wrong. Oh, okay, I, I, I thought that. that back got yeah. well, we've got a time machine, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> okay. And, and she's such a good actor. I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm at it. That's, that's, he might, he might have tied us up saying. Yeah, okay. I'll take the time moving in the right direction. I'm bound to get another win here. All right, next. Uh, Sam, who's your robot face? All right, so he's been in all kinds of stuff, uh, but I went with Noel Fisher. He's been in... Uh, he does Michelangelo's voice in the new Ninja, Ninja Turtle movies, but he's also been in... Uh, just looking up. Noel Fisher. N-O-E-L Fisher. I'm IMD being as fast as I can. Here we go. Y'all know him. He's been in all kinds of stuff. Uh, nothing I've seen his face in. Really? Uh, uh, Shameless. Uh, yeah, I don't. Th- I'm not familiar with him either. Turtles. Okay. I yeah. don't feel so bad about my pick because I know they said Robot Face was 13 when he went in the box, and you just cast a guy that's 37. So I don't feel well, so I, bad about I, I, my. No, well, I cast him for the voice. I mean, because you're not really going to see him. I yeah, yeah him I, I, I went. I went pure voice actor here. That, that's yeah, what I, I did. So if you've seen the new Turtles movie, the live-action Turtles, he yeah, does Michelangelo's voice. Yeah, the Mikey voice is good. Yeah, I don't, I'm not mad yeah. about that. All right, Josh, who's your robot face? Okay, I'm going with Nicholas Holt. Yeah. He's not that much younger than, I mean... He's still in his 20s, isn't he? No, I don't think so. I don't oh, I didn't look it up. So. He's I not 13. You, you giving Sam... That's why I said about... I didn't feel bad about my pick, because oh. I went way over. So I said, I'm, I feel better about mine, because... I'm sorry. I I wasn't listening when you were saying things. Yeah, you should pay attention every now and then. <laughs> uh, who, who do you have? Who's your Dante? Uh, the perfect voice actor for this role. He is much too old for it. Probably 30 years too old for it. But it's the perfect voice for Robot Face. Seth Green. He can still do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Yep. I was prepared it's, to not like it, but then you got it, so. Yep. All right. Those are all pretty good, though. Last is Lucas. Josh, who you got for Lucas? Common. From John Wick 2. Yeah. Got, from, yeah not bad. Yeah. From a thousand commercials. From a million commercials. <laughs> uh, he was on the, I think he was on the AMC show. Uh, what was it called? Something about train back in the day. I forget what it was. I watched like the first season of it, but he, he, he's a really good actor. I'd like to see him being a werewolf and I think that'd be good. Okay. James got, you, I don't know who James you, got. You missed, you missed, you missed the, the right answer, Josh. It's not I who you think I'm going to say. Oh, well, let me you erase got. Idris Elba from my list here. Nope. I need to see Samuel L. Jackson play a werewolf. Man, he's like 95 now or something, though. No, he, if he shaves his head and his face, you can't tell how old that man is. Yeah, it's I mean, amazing. I, His genetics I, are incredible. I know. <laughs> That's true. He really is in his 70s, though, for if real. There's no gray show, and you can't tell. Yeah. Well, I picked Idris Elba because I thought Jamie would. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not, no, but, I, obviously I'm not going to be mad about that. But, but I actually like Josh's common better than Idris Elba. The only reason I picked him is because I thought we went out number Josh. Whatever he picked, I thought we'd just win. <laughs> so you guys on. conspire against me. That's 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 why I'm always getting third. <laughs> I see how it is now. I just, I want I want to see Samuel L. Jackson doing the full-on Samuel L. Jackson explaining this with his full anger, you know, that, you know, he can only not have cancer when he's a werewolf. I need to see Samuel L. Jackson explain that to somebody. No. <laughs> I think, I think that Josh would be a really, really good scene. I'm sitting here trying to <laughs> run that through my head, him delivering that dialogue. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so this is the time for our network promo. And so uh, on Nerds in a Half Shell, Sam, what, what's going to be on the episode this week? 
Oh, this week? Sorry, I was in La La Land. I wasn't thinking about that. We're doing the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, issue number one. And it is... It's got a name. Hang on a second. I even wrote it down. It says Teenage change is Turtles. constant. But no, the issue is change is constant. No, that's the whole graphic. The novel. volume. Okay, volume is change is constant. Okay. Whatever. Yes. But it's issue one. I need it. <laughs> Easy, on, it's not that serious. <laughs> it is. He's cracking down on you over here. <laughs> Didn't we used to joke that's how you could tell if we weren't harassed each other, we wouldn't know we loved each other? Yeah, something like that. Josh, you should feel really loved today. I'm the most loved, I think. <laughs> <laughs> on Nerds of the Round Table, we reviewed John Carpenter's The Thing this week. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, on Zafram, we reviewed Sweet Tooth, numbers 13 and 14. And uh, once again, on One Thin Dime, just enjoy that deep back catalog he has and wait for the new episodes to start. And so for next week, though, on this show, we're going to be reviewing one of my picks. And normally I would make some kind of crack about how we're going to get a good one this way. But October Faction was really good. Props to you, Josh. So next week, we're going to be reviewing... The death-defying Dr. Mirage. Yes, we're going back to Valiant. And so here's the comicsology summary. And it's actually a long one. Death was just the beginning. Dot, dot, dot. Dr. Mirage talks to the dead. But the only spirit... That's how it was written, dude. Laugh all you want. Josh is muted. He was laughing at me. Um, <laughs> but the only spirit Shan Fong can't find is that of her late husband, Quinn. Instead, America's favorite semi-retired paranormal investigator is haunted and raw, using her gift to solve homicides and bring peace to the recently bereaved. But when a big-time occultist with a classified military past hires her for a special job, Shan discovers a lead that might close the greatest mystery she's ever tackled, how to get Wynn back. Now, Dr. Mirage must enter the undiscovered country and cross all the realms of the underworld if she has any hope of rescuing the man she loves, or be forever lost beyond the earthly great, uh, the earthly plane. Join Eisner an award-nominated writer, Jean Van Meter, and acclaimed artist, Roberto De La Torre, as Valiant's occult adventure embarks on a journey across the realms of the dead to bring her love back to the land of the living. Sweet. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. It is a good time. I really, I, I, when I kind of didn't venture into this corner of the Valiant universe for a while, and I I was mad at myself that I had when I finally read it. Here we are. It's a good time. Well, I think we're done here. Salute. I think so. See ya. Good night. Goodbye, Belgium. Whatever. Yeah. And then I, 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 uh, extra cast for director. I had a director pick. Oh, Tim Burton would be good at this. <laughs> That's exactly like five. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. All right, never mind. I won't even mention it then. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>